2: the heating's on, it's getting darker earlier and earlier, so why not cheer yourself up this November with a subscription to The Athletic for just £1 a week. For only 100 of your English pence every seven days, you'll get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash totally. for football show,
3: European edition. It's a big week in the Champions League. PSG, Real Madrid and Inter. Big names currently heading out. And PSG. And exciting matchups on the way this week too. We look ahead at those and back. On a weekend that saw sesky football in Monaco, more moaning from Messi and the dawn of a new Dortmund teen superstar. No, another one. All that plus pads is Sofia's choice in this Totally Football Show European edition in association with Paddy Power. Hello, Continentally Minded listener. Welcome to another European Totally Football Show with Alvaro Romeo. Hola, James. Yes, indeed. Same to you. James Horncastle is with us. Hello. Also, Julien Laurents. Bonjour. And it's a big hello to Raphael Honigstein. Hello, James. What are we, Ken? So many things happening and so many things about to happen with the Champions League as well.
4: You're right, James. I, I thought Saturday was quite exceptional in terms of the football that we, that we saw. Uh, between you know Mourinho uh, against Pep, between uh, Borussia Dortmund Mukoko's debut, of course, historic debuts. But Holland quadruple as well. We had Bayern who struggled a bit. We had the Orlando penalty shootout in MLS, if you like. Saint Etienne losing against seven times in a row, which is a club record. And then Sunday. was not as strong maybe as Saturday, but we still had a lot Uh, and we had Atleti Atleti Barca on Saturday and Sunday we still had uh, some good stuff as well all over Europe, especially in Italy with the Milan-Apoli game, which I thought was fantastic. So, yeah, it was all really good weekend. And uh, we have to say, James, that uh, many things will happen as well, but many things
1: did happen too, like Spain beating Germany 6-0.
4: I just had to say that. Oh, that's bad. Oh, Alvaro, that's strong. That is strong. (laughs) Such old
3: news. It it, it has to be said. Well, we might have a little chat about the Nations League. What would you call it? Semi-final and final, which are coming up uh, imminently uh, in 11 months' time, October 6th to the 10th, 2021. Later on, uh, you don't have to stick around for that bit, Rafa. We can uh, just handle that with uh, Jules and James and and, and, and Alvaro. But right now... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's get your moments of this weekend. James.
5: Well, James, we had some Ibracadabra, but is the spell broken? Because Zlatan looks like he'll now be out for a month after oh. a scan on his uh, the muscle injury he sustained in Naples yesterday. But a roaring comeback from Inter, and at least for a few hours or so, Sassuolo were top of the table in Syria and are being compared with Leicester
3: in wow. Italy. Wow. That's exciting. Jules, what was your moment of the weekend? Was it, was it PSG losing at Monaco?
4: Yeah, that has to be unfortunately my moment of the weekend. Capitulation again after being 2 0 up at half time, cruising, even if they were not playing that great, and then ended up losing the game 3 2. I mean, it was a shame. Sesk. Sesk. I had Horncastle trolling me, texting me. He never watches Ligue 1 the evening where he clearly has nothing to do on Friday night. He watches the game and my team. He's losing the way they did. And I just—I right. I kept having his messages popping up on my phone. Was he sesting you? <laughs> he was a bit sesting me, to be fair to him, yeah. I mean, Talon recognised his Talon, so he knew what he was talking about, you know.
6: James has been a sesque pest for quite a while. <laughs>
3: a, a, a braffer. Um, hey, what, what was your moment of the weekend?
6: Oh, there were quite a few, James. Um, Erling Haaland scoring four goals even though Lucien Favre thought there was only three of them, um, by and dropping points at home, which doesn't happen all the time against Feder Bremen, and one of the best own goals of the season, uh, Lucas Radetzki for Leverkusen. Wonderful air shot, I guess, uh, and
4: spinning into his own net, the ball. Rafi,
5: remember all those Sundays where you used to troll Jules about the goalkeeping in Liga.
4: Well, we used to troll you as well about the goalkeeping in Serie A. That was not much better.
5: No, 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 no. the goalkeeping in Serie A was always good. It was between the Bundesliga
3: and Liga, which is really bad.
6: Well, at least we have some goals. So,
3: Alvaro, step in with your moment of the weekend.
1: Well, it could have been Real Sociedad beating Cádiz and staying at the top of the table, but it has to be Barcelona losing 1-0 at Wanda Metropolitano against Atletico. Uh, the week uh, introductory note uh, was Lionel Messi arriving at the airport and saying that he was tired of being always the problem uh, when reporters asked him about uh, his, you know, his stay at Barcelona. And uh, the last note of the week has been Gerard Piqué just uh, suffering a, a really serious injury that is going to keep him out of the of the squad and competitive football until at least the spring so more problems for Barcelona in a nutshell this is uh, the most important thing of the of the week in Spain
6: mm,
3: Absolutely they've got a trip to Dinamo Kiev coming up this midweek without Messi he's been left out of the squad So big games coming up in the midweek round and a couple really stand out Paris Saint-Germain against Leipzig and Inter hosting Real Madrid let's get on then to those
0: midweek Champions League matches the Totally Football Show, European edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. Defences may be looking shaky at the moment, but Paddy's offers are rock solid. If one leg of your four-plus-fold lets you down, get a free bet. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive. No shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18plus. Be gamble aware.org.
3: Chelsea are at Wren on Tuesday. Man United are hosting Bersak Shahir. But the standout game of the evening is the other clash in Man United's group which sees Paris Saint-Germain taking on Leipzig the team that beat them 2-1 last time out. da ist der Ausgleich <fussion> aus <fussion> dem nichts super ausgespielt. Der Schütze auf dem Platz nicht dabei. läuft an Doppelschritt und dann drin Jawohl. Jawohl. doch. All right, that was last time. 2-1 uh, victory as we say before RB Leipzig. Since then Jules What's been going on with Paris Saint-Germain? They beat Rennes, but this Friday, a disastrous performance in the big game against Monaco.
4: You're right, James, especially after the the break. The first half was okay. They didn't play that great, but they scored two goals. Kylian Mbappe, uh, they could have had two or three more because they had two ruled offside via VAR. One, especially the Mosey Kane one. That was really, I mean, one was really tight over the two, but but in the end, only two counted. And at two and a half time, even in Monaco, you thought, OK, this should be OK. They, they're controlling the game well. They have the threat of Mbappe up front. And then Niko Kovac, to be fair to him, changed pretty much everything at halftime. Brought on Cesc Fabregas and, and changed his formation a little bit. And Fabregas, really, with the way he played, his intelligence, playing between the lines, created so much problems for PSG that they, they could not cope on top of that PSG creating their own problems as they often do when they they'll be under pressure Abdou Diallo who's made so many mistakes this season I, I've lost count uh, is he Paris born and Bread Jules no thank god he isn't but, um, <laughs> uh, but he's a former Monaco player obviously uh, before going to Germany and then coming back home to France but it's one of those where if you learn from your mistake, I've got no problem. But now it's too many that he keeps making. And this time he gave away the ball, gave away a penalty straight after against Kevin Folland, uh, Got sent off too. And they lost 3-2. And, and in fairness, I think he's deserved from Monaco to win the game, mm. seeing what they did in the second half. And what I'm more worried about before the Leipzig game for PSG is that with Kimpembe uh, being suspended, that means Diallo will start that game. And I think that's, that's scaring me. Just
3: on the subject of Monaco, how influential was sesk in that second half? And how old is he now?
1: He must be thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. He's from okay. the nineteen eighty-seven generation with Pique and Messi. Right.
3: Okay. And uh, a word or two on his performance in that
4: second half, George. I mean, sesk was was incredible. He he doesn't play as he doesn't play every game, and, and Kovac I think has used him well in in the past. This time he's got some very talented youngsters. This was a very young Monaco team. They averaged 23 years of age. They had an 18-year-old at right back, Matsima, who's gonna be, I think, really good. They've got Fofana and Chuamini in midfield who are very exciting, really strong players, but they're only 19 and 20 as well. So and 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 you saw in the first half, of Fofana gave away the two goals for PhD, one being a penalty, and you, you saw they lacked a bit of experience and they lacked someone who by just with his positioning could create problem to the PSG defense, and that's exactly what Ses played. He plays as a number ten, really close to Kevin Valens. When they when they went from the four four two to four two three one formation, and that worked perfectly. The PSG could not pick him up. He could have had even more influence, I think, and more impact because they could have easily scored two more goals when I could. They created so many chances, and all of that was thanks to to Sesk. And I just think, even at thirty three, even if he can't run anymore, he, I mean, even when he was younger, he could not run. So now he he, he can run even less. But the talent that he has and the intelligence especially, I mean, every you know, every people who play football should watch his 45 minutes of football because it was just a, an incredible moment of of intelligence of how you should play football, even if you're not physically at your best. And I just think that enough just changed the game completely. Jules,
5: is this why uh, Thomas Tucker was playing Danilo at centre-back in, in other games? Because when he played him in midfield, which is his natural position, he didn't know what to do. He couldn't pick up Cesc Fabregas whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> what maybe. Maybe,
4: maybe there was something. I was expecting the um, the little f- f- sentence from Tuchel at the end of the game. He says, see, I told you why I don't play him in midfield. He, did, he didn't go that far, but... <laughs> It was not very good from Danilo, who could be on the bench on Tuesday night. By the but way, but
5: does this make it big for Tuchel this game against Leipzig then? Because what? How many? How many defeats have PSG already had this season? And then this feels critical. This, uh, mm. yeah. this, this, this upcoming
3: match in midweek.
1: Basically, to qualify, you need about ten or eleven points in this group. Mm.
3: Right as it stands, one of Man United, RB Leipzig, or PSG is going to miss out, and currently. Man United and, and RB Leipzig are three points ahead of PSG. It's it's Paris who, who are in line for yeah. Thursday night football, jewels.
4: I know, I know. They, I mean, this is a must <laughs> win game, imagine? of course. Must win game. I can't believe you're trolling me on Thursday night football. Um, must win game, of course. Uh, against Leipzig, Neymar, his bike. He played a bit uh, the last half hour against Monaco. He was dreadful. Clearly, didn't want to be there. It's okay. I hope he's in better form on Tuesday. Didn't Keren want to be Mbappe. there. In,
3: didn't want to be there. In what sense?
4: It looked like he didn't want to be playing, really. He, he brought absolutely nothing to to the game. I mean, it's either you, you're coming back from injury and it's a, it, the plan is that you play a little bit to get a bit of match fitness, especially before Tuesday, which is the, the far more bigger game than the one on Friday night. But I don't know, if you don't want to play, maybe, maybe I not tell the coach to do something, but he came on and there was just nothing there. Absolutely nothing.
3: Wow. Okay. Well, what about Leipzig, Rafa? What's their form coming into this one?
6: Uh, they weren't that convincing in their 1-1 draw against uh, Frankfurt. Um, they changed things around in the second half, as, as Nagelsmann often do, to get a bit more of a grip of the game. But it, it felt like a typical post-international break game. A little bit disjointed, um, no real rhythm. Frankfurt made it difficult for them and uh, ultimately a very, very disappointing uh, result. But I guess because you know Bayern were dropping points, and Gladbach were dropping points just behind them. It's it's not you know not the worst result. And we've seen some of their best performances in the season actually in the Champions League, where they seem to be able to up their game. Um, of course, it didn't happen against uh, Man United, but uh, um, against PSG, we saw just how good they were in the um, in the first leg. So I think there's a there's a real opportunity here for them to land another big blow.
3: But they're currently two points off. Bayern Munich at the top of the Bundesliga. Four teams packed into those two points and what looks like being a a very sensational title race till probably around Christmas and then Bayern probably race away with it. All right then, Alvaro, what's your call on Tuesday night, PSG, RB Leipzig?
1: Well, I think PSG is going to win it, but if PSG loses uh, and United beats Istanbul, then Leipzig and Manchester United could uh, fix the game to put it some sort of way and get a draw which is something that the PSG wouldn't want, of course. So it's a very dangerous one for for PSG, and I agree with Jules. I think Neymar didn't look sharp at all, and he was dribbling backwards too much in the game against Monaco, and he has to basically change his direction and go forward, because otherwise PSG won't win.
3: Mm, Seems fair. Are Man United going to beat Bersakia here in the other game in that group? Well, they did beat Leipzig 5-0 in their last home game in the Champions League Uh, But, of course, lost to the Turkish champions in Istanbul last time out. That's going to be a key match as well. Elsewhere on Tuesday, Alvaro, could Barcelona be in trouble? They're on top of their group with nine points from the nine available. But this Tuesday's clash looks like potentially a real, well, banana skin, Uh, away at Kiev, who caused them real problems last time, despite the fact that they had 13 first-team players out because of coronavirus uh, tests. This time a lot of those players are back for Dinamo Kiev, whereas uh, Barcelona are coming off a toothless defeat to Atletico Madrid. Hmm. They're without Messi. They've got Gerald Piquet and Sergio Roberto both out injured after the 1-0
1: defeat at the Wanda Metropolitano. What do you think? Well, and uh, let's don't forget that Ansu Fati, the best player in this season, uh, he's out until... At least February, and that uh, uh, Frankie De Jong won't be traveling to to Kiev either because Ronald Kuman has decided that De Jong and Messi needed to rest a little bit. So I think that uh, strangely, the Champions League this season for teams like Manchester City, Barcelona, uh, even Sevilla, has had like a um, therapeutic effect. It's been quite soothing. I mean, in La Liga, Barcelona is doing terribly. I mean, they are so far from the top of the of the table. However, in the Champions League, they've done the best game, uh, their best. Game. Game this season they beat Juve. I would say that they should have beaten them for a bigger margin. So I think that Barcelona knows, and Kuman knows as well that if they win this game against Dinamo Kiev, the next couple of Champions League games, uh, Kuman will be able to rotate a lot, and probably the, the squad will have some uh, will have some rest because they need to rest. All that said, Barcelona. It's bad this season. um, It looked like at the beginning of the season that there was a little bit of an evolution with Kuman, Then uh, the team got stagnant. And now I can see some involution in the team. I mean, players that look uh, good at the beginning, like uh, um, Trincao, uh, Pedri, um, even Serginho Dest. I mean, they haven't improved a lot over the last games um, the defense is not looking good without uh, Gerard Piquet uh, Sergio Roberto is out as well. Lionel Messi the other day against Atletico de Madrid and I'm talking about the league now not uh, the Champions League lost 23 balls and it looks like everything has to go or every attack has to go through his feet so maybe this game against Dinamo Kiev is a good chance for Griezmann or for um, some other players who are eclipsed if, you may, if I may by Lionel Messi and um, make a step up and uh, give Kuman a reason to believe that uh, they can be match winners as well. Because at the minute Barcelona relies too much on Lionel Messi and Messi is not delivering in every game at all.
3: And as he says, he's tired of always being the problem.
1: Yeah, that, that happened on uh, Thursday. Uh, Messi arrived at Barcelona airport after being with Argentina in international duty. And apparently the representatives from the tax office uh, and some reporters as well, they were wait- waiting for Messi at the airport. And uh, Messi was probably tired after a, after a long trip. And uh, he said in the airport that he was tired of being always the problem at Barcelona. Well, these are the kind of quotes that... Uh, Five weeks before the 1st of January, they are quite concerning, because let's not forget that Lionel Messi's contract expires in June 2021. But uh, anyway, um, I think that uh, Barcelona right now shouldn't think too much about the future. Um, Last season, for example, Barcelona was the favourite to win La Liga, probably. This season, I think that the best thing that a Barcelona fan can expect at this stage is uh, reaching February or March... With all their options open, they're still not too far from uh, the first spot in La Liga, and still in the Champions League uh, last 16. But uh, at the minute, it doesn't look like this is going to be a season of silverware for Barcelona.
3: Right, they're in the uh, Liga top 16, uh, but but only just. <laughs> they're down in 12th place at the moment, which is their the worst for ages and ages. A faraway season that they ended up winning the league in, but that doesn't look like necessarily happening this time around. What actually happened against Atletico with Diego Simeone picking up his first ever victory over the Catalans?
1: Uh, In La Liga in La Liga. In La Liga, yeah, because then in the Champions League, I think that Atlético de Madrid has knocked out Barcelona twice. Uh, But in La Liga, yes, you're right. And it's not that Atlético has been bad against Barcelona in many of those games, um, in that sequence that uh, goes back to 2012 or 2011, I believe, Atlético has been good, but for one reason or another, they never managed to win. But this time, Barcelona is more fragile than ever. And uh, Atlético has more certainty. Uh, Look, I'm going to make like a... If I may, an interleague comment, uh, because I'm going to jump to Premier League for a second, because Jose Mourinho, after beating Manchester City the other day, uh, when asked about why did he win, he said that it's important for a team to have principles if you don't have any time to train. And I think that Atletico de Madrid has very solid principles, because they've been with the same manager for eight years. Mm. Barcelona is just having a new manager who has been there for two and a half months, three months, and uh, Barcelona needs training time. Atletico de Madrid knows uh, how to do what they what they do best, and I think that that became very obvious from the beginning. Atletico is a team that uh, is a mature team. They are more solid, and uh, they beat Barcelona comfortably to the point that. Uh, Marca today reported that some sources from Atletico de Madrid players and staff uh, had been very surprised with the lack of quality and the lack of character of Barcelona. they never seen a Barcelona like this. So that tells you a little bit uh, the stage of both teams at the minute. Atletico de Madrid knows what they are doing, even though they are not brilliant yet. And Barcelona is still uh, a walking question tag.
3: If Barcelona are going to have a season without silverware, what are the prospects for Atletico, who are currently in second place, but with two games in hand on the surprise leaders, Real Sociedad, and three points behind them?
1: Mm, well, of course, if Atletico will... Members of Atletico de Madrid will never say that they are the favourites to win La Liga, but they are definitely a candidate to win La Liga. I mean, that's the way I see it. Probably right now, on the 23rd or 24th of November, they are the main candidate to win La Liga uh, because you can expect Real Sociedad to have a dip in their form. Uh, However, Atletico has the know-how to win a a league title. They did it in 2014 and... Mm, there are some players over there, like Luis Suárez, for example, that they are going to bring a lot of experience in the right time. So I think that Atletico de Madrid has to be the right candidate right now. They are still pretty mm, good defensively. Uh, the best, uh, they have the best defence record in La Liga. And when it comes to scoring um, and to create up front, uh, they've got enough players to make a difference.
3: Wednesday night they're in action in the Champions League hosting Lokomotive Moscow who are two points behind them in the group Atletico currently in second place to the remarkable Bayern Munich who are on a 14 game winning streak in the competition Uh, Next up let's hear about something else from uh, the Bundesliga and it's uh, Erling Haaland's four goals at the weekend and why they didn't even make him the most talked about youngster at Borussia Dortmund
2: If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, take out a 30-day trial to see that unrivaled coverage of each and every Premier League club by heading to theathletic.com slash totally. Haaland in the middle. Now, Haaland, Haaland!
4: Haaland! Danny, du wusstest it! 5-2! Da- Four, raffer.
6: Four. 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 Yeah,
4: Four. How do Eight. you say quadruple in German? Vivier, Viererpack
3: Viererpack A what? A Viererpack mm-hmm. That's what Erling Haaland got this weekend Against Hertha Berlin And a 5-2 win For Lucien Favre's Borussia Dortmund But he's yesterday's news, Dadio, Because all the headlines were for the young fellow Who replaced him 10 minutes from time, Rafa Yusufa Mukoku
6: Before the game, yes after the game, not so much. Ah. I mean, Dortmund got his debut out of the way, so at least you know the hype can now settle at more realistic levels. But of course, the four goal- <laughs> goals from Erling Haaland uh, kind of took some of the, um, yeah, the headlines, the headlines, and the the limelight away from Mukoko. But it is is going to remain an interesting story, uh, and the guy, you know, if he gets anywhere near sort of the. the amazing performances he's had at the uh, youth level, then he's going to be sensational. But I guess the biggest story is that, you know, Dortmund showed that even though they're still a little bit slow and a little bit open at the back, Haaland is now seemingly going to another level and I think is becoming now the Erling Haaland team, which considering that this guy's only been with them since January of 2020... Um, just shows you how he has developed. And Christoph Biermann was making the point today on the starkas pod that maybe in Haaland, Dortmund now have found finally the replacement for Lewandowski in the sense that there is a guy that can just through sheer force of nature by himself, maybe push Dortmund over the line. I mean, Bayern look vulnerable, certainly more so than, than usual, so maybe Haaland can do it. I mean, it'd be great Be great for the league and, of course, great for Dortmund.
5: Raf, Jules and I were quite critical of Haaland's performance against Bayern Munich because we expect 20-year-old strikers to be absolutely flawless at that age. But it's um, I, I must say, that 2nd half performance, it was astonishing. Like um, how he, the speed he shows to basically um, take advantage of, what, a miscontrol from one of the Hertha's defenders completely punishes him. Some of his movement was just absolutely out of this world. And even like his, for, for such a big guy, I think in the first half, he had a couple of chances where his link up play, back to goal, in tight spaces, playing back heels and all this sort of thing, it was unreal how good he was. Um, it was one of the, you know, in terms of performances of the weekend, Jules highlighted Sesk um, on, on Friday night. But that second half display was as near to a, Perfect strike of this player, as I think you could you could possibly ask for. It was it was jaw dropping.
6: It, it was, and um, uh, James, y- you might say that Haaland's foreplay um, <laughs> got um, got Lucian Father so excited that uh, he didn't even um, keep count because Favre asked him afterwards, "Oh, you scored three goals." And Hannah was like, no, it was four. And it might have been more if you hadn't taken me off.
3: (laughs) You hadn't brought him off. Right. But what about Makoku? Why is everyone so excited about this 16-year-old? 16 years and one day old when he took the field against Hertha Berlin, which is a Bundesliga record. And indeed, the league had changed the rules to allow him to make his debut so early.
6: The answer's in the question, James. I mean, he is so young and has been so prolific um, at youth level. He scored 141 goals in 88 games at youth level uh, for Dortmund, which is I mean, just the other way incredible. around would be
3: impressive, but that's incredible.
6: Either way would be very impressive, but of course scoring more goals than, than games you've played in is, is hugely impressive. And, you know, this is a guy who, since moving up to the seniors, as far as training is concerned, he hasn't been able to play until Saturday, but he's been training with the team since the start of the season, has not looked out of place at all of course he's still learning you know some of the tactical behavior is still a little bit raw and his decision making needs to improve but everyone's just just feels that he is ready to play and that's that's why Favre has been almost working I don't want to say against the wishes of the club because you know the club are trying to dampen down the excitement but Father who just looks at the player and doesn't care about all the headlines and all the the age discussion, just puts him in, and feels he's absolutely ready. So there's this kind of uneasy, um, you know, relationship between the club being hugely excited and playing up this idea that you know he's 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 a young superstar and make him at the same time trying you know let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. But and father just going no I don't care, um, he is so good and he is I think someone who maybe further down the line this season and maybe even the Champions League can actually play in place for Haaland who's more or less starting all the time because Dortmund don't have another number nine on um, on the bench or in the squad. Mm.
3: Some of the comments about him suggesting that he's kind of a generational talent that possibly the, the, the most talented at this age young player that the Bundesliga is ever seen come through it's very hard to gauge that from the various youtube compilations that are out there have you seen anything of him beyond the 10 minutes that he had against Hertha
6: no because I've never watched any under 19 Dortmund game um you know in its in its entirety I spoke to someone who does and it basically said to me it's pointless watching those games because the guy scores so many goals that you just see immediately he's totally if if there's an opposite of being out of your depth um (laughs) Everyone else, I guess, is out of you, out of their depth compared to him. He just plays football on a completely different level, and there was just absolutely no point keeping him, keeping him with the under nineteen. So that just shows you how good he is already. Mm.
3: All right. Well, Dortmund are in action Tuesday night in Group F. They'll be facing Bruges, who they beat three nil last time out. Uh, currently, Dortmund are a point clear of Lazio at the top of that little group in the Champions League. Lazio will be hosting Zenit. Who they had a 1 1 draw with away in St. Petersburg a couple of weeks back. Oh, have, have we had any word on Lazio's tests? <laughs>
5: well, James, I mean, this is going to be the big curiosity before this game against uh, Zenit at the Olympico um, because Lazio will once ag- again undergo testing with UEFA's uh, laboratory, Synlab, um, which has tested some of their players positive in the past, notably uh, Chiria Mobile. Um, and they've had to play their last two match days um, against Bruges and Zenit away from home with depleted teams. Um, so there's an investigation obviously uh, going on at the moment um, about the uh, laboratory that they were using in Avellino for their Serie testing. Um, Lazio are not formally under investigation. In fact, they might be uh, victims in all of this um, because they put their faith in a in a lab which um, you know this investigation in Avellino is ultimately into uh, fraud and faulty PPE um, and the faulty PPE in this case would be the the PCR tests that have been supplied to Lazio and then processed by this laboratory which have come back negative in some cases um, when you know, some players have tested positive in UEFAs test so we'll have to see what happens but Immobile was back he was clear to play um, at the weekend in the game against Crotone, which uh, kind of was played out in water polo like conditions it was amazing mm. that the uh, the pitch actually held and didn't get worse under a deluge in Crotone. there's been flash flooding there which has been uh, pretty devastating uh, for for the locals um, but Immobile scored what is a hundred and seventh goal for Lazio which means he's uh He's now level with Bepi Signori, James, and his size four feet. Um,
3: (laughs) Um, Lazio just got their own uh, plane. They've got a Lazio plane, which they used to go down to Crotone, I saw. Yeah. uh,
4: And Luis Alberto was not too happy with the uh, purchase of the plane, was he? Uh,
5: No, because he he went on Twitch. Uh, I don't have a Twitch account. I don't know if any of you guys do, but um, he was doing a live broadcast uh, in between getting his new PlayStation 5. Um, and was saying that, um, yeah, they keep buying things and, and they're not paying us. Uh-huh. Um, so some dispute over, um, obviously, at the end of last season when uh, clubs were cutting wages because of the pandemic, whether they'd be getting them restored or not. Um, Luis Alberto, there was some doubt as to whether he would actually play in the Cotone game because... Um, uh, apparently, the hierarchy of Latvians were considering whether to punish him for that comment. Instead, it looks like they'll just fine him um, because Instead, I they think they just Latsio...
3: made him fly on the airplane, which was so uh, terrifying. The, the the landing at Crete. There's a video of it with all the Latvian well, players. Well, also, and... I'm
5: pretty sure this is one of those Boeing 737s which have been kind of decommissioned uh, or, or only just now being allowed to fly again. And it's like a leasing arrangement with a Bulgarian airline. I mean, it's
3: it's just utterly.
5: <laughs> Really it's bonkers. very lotito. <laughs> yeah, uh, interestingly,
3: <laughs> interestingly, Lazio came back from the game via Alitalia. Uh, make of that, uh, <laughs> what we were. Uh, anyway. Uh, the other games on Tuesday are from Group E, where both Chelsea and Sevilla can wrap up qualifying this week. They're both on seven points. The other two teams in the group are on one. Wren will be hosting Chelsea, while Sevilla make the trip to Krasnodar, who caused them some problems last time. But Chelsea and Sevilla looking good. to book a place in the last 16 soon. Right. Very shortly, uh, we'll get on to Wednesday's games. And before that, quick word about the Europa League.
0: On this week's From the Horse's Mouth podcast, the lads are joined by Shane Lowry, fresh from his Masters performance at Augusta. Here's what Shane's caddy was too scared to say to Tiger Woods after his disastrous 10 on the 12th.
5: Because any time he hit a bad drive or an average drive, he'd say to Joe, caddy. That was like one of yours. And we stood on the 13T and Bo said to me, what do you think he'd say if
0: I said to him, I bet you wish Joe hit that one? <laughs> 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 Search Paddy Power on your podcast provider to listen now. Paddy Power.
2: eighty plus big On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Hey,
3: Thursday night football. We all love it. Uh, and particularly when it involves... Do you know, there's a lot of games actually looking at the Wow, a lot of fixtures. But one, one really stands out, and it is Lille Milan. Both teams with uh, impressive victories at the weekend. And Lille, who had a, a very fine win as well when they faced... Uh, Milan earlier on in this Europa League campaign at San Siro, A hey, James?
5: Yeah, I was really impressed by them, um, you know they it was a really disciplined performance they were tactically superior um, to Milan and you know as Jules well knows, they've they have got some really good young players, I mean um, it's quite interesting the link between the two clubs because um, Elliott, the hedge fund obviously owns AC Milan and uh, you know, I think they've loaned Some money to the owners of of, of Lille um, as well. And in some respects, the projects are quite similar um, in terms of how they're investing in their playing staff. And, um, you know, Renato Sanchez won't be playing in this game, but he was outstanding um, in the first leg, if we can call it that, in the the group stages before this doubleheader. But they've also got some really good kids like Sven Botman, um, the the Dutch centre-back. Um, and Jules, uh, they've been doing well in Ligue 1, but there's some off-the-field politics going on around their sporting director who hasn't been seen since August.
4: Yeah, that's right, Luis Campos, who you know um, has great reputation in, in football for being this guy who finds those very good young players, especially we saw at Monaco, he, he built that team for Jardim that won the league eventually in 2017. He has built this team as you mentioned James rightly, has, has been pretty amazing for the last 2 years at Lille uh, with Christophe Galtier as, as manager the problem is he didn't get on with Marc Ingla who's the uh, the former Barcelona man who was the let's say the CEO at Lille who is now leaving the club I think because he was going to be either him or Luis Campos Luis Campos has a very um, strange relationship with Lille in in the sense that he's not paid directly by the club as in like you know he's not part of the club uh, per se as a sporting director, he's, he's paid by the owner of one of the companies owned by the owner of Lille. It's a bit complicated, but, but anyway, I think they got that one sorted by, by Inglis departure now, because I think Campos is by far more important to Lille and the way they work with their business plan, which is again, finding all those young players, giving them a platform to shine and then selling them for a lot of money. Like we saw with Victor Oseman, obviously come in uh, completely unknown, pretty much from Belgium where he had a, a good season, but then having a very good season in France and being sold for up to 80 million to Napoli. So that's the idea. And for that, Ingla is not as important as Campos, of course. But I don't think that troubled the team winning 4 0 very easily against Lorient on Sunday night, last night, where they were very impressive. Uh, even without Renato Sanchez, who has been one of their star players. But Jonathan David, who did so well uh, in Ghent last season, finally scored uh, his first goal for Lille. Uh, that would be good. We saw Yusuf Yazici, who scored three against Milan Uh, who scored actually two hat-tricks so far in the Europa League one against Milan who did so well as a second striker in that game too against Lorient so right now all is good for Lille uh, before before they face Milan in France
5: Yeah, Yazici became the first player to score a hat-trick away at San Siro against Milan since Rivaldo for Barcelona in in 2000
3: Mm. Lille are currently two points off the top of the table two points behind Paris Saint-Germain in League uh, Milan, very much top of their classifica after their three-one win at Napoli, first win away at San Paolo in how long, James? A uh, long, long time, James. Right, um, and it was without Stefano Pioli, their inspirational manager, was off with the Rona uh, before the game. Zlatan revealing that uh, Daniele Bonera who was standing in as manager was looking a bit nervous. What did Zlatan say to him? <laughs>
5: He said, uh, you yeah, you look stressed out, um, but uh, don't worry. There's Ibra. I'll take care of it. And uh, boy, did he take care of it. Um, scored a sensational header um, to put uh, Milan in front, and Teo Hernandez cross, but, you know, he's still quite far out, you know, just coming into the box and gets ahead of Koulibaly and uh, manages to actually put some power on it, to glance it as well past Alex Meret, um, I thought uh, Napoli actually played well uh, for, the, for for the most part of the first half, but then gradually got more and more frustrated. Um, and Gattuso was talking about this afterwards that you know when they you know, start complaining uh, to each other about you know sort of misplacing a pass or you know when they start basically getting up in the referee's face and complaining about decisions, yeah you know, they lose their heads and, and ultimately Milan went on and won this game. Um, Ibra Ibra got a second uh, Mertens then pulled one back but I thought Milan finished the stronger with uh, Jens Petter Hauger um, mm. scoring lovely um, uh, scored late uh, came in late in their January transfer window and uh, scored on the night uh, that uh, his former club Bodo Glimt uh, surprisingly won the uh, uh, the Norwegian league as well so uh, I think the only kind of bum note for Milan on the back of uh, the win was that uh, Zlatan had to go off uh, with a muscle injury in his left leg. He had a scan this morning, uh, which shows that uh, he will be he'll be out for at least ten days. That's when he's going to have another scan. But it's expected that he'll be out for a month um, now. You know because he's he's started the season. On fire, um, you know. He scored in every single game he's played in the, in the league um, so far this season. Um, there's a lot of talk about you know Milan being Ebra dependent. But there's no doubt he is very important to this team. But um, you yeah, know, since he joined last January, I think they played seven or eight times without him. And they've been unbeaten. Remember, during the season, he um, he had COVID-19 and had to isolate for two weeks. They were unbeaten through that spell as well. So, yeah, you know, I think now that they've got Ante Rebic back, who played really well between January and August and then started this season, had a bad elbow injury. You know, I think they were confident that he could play the centre forward role. Uh, we'll have to see if Leal, who, you know, was playing really well before the international break and then went on. International duty for Portugal's under-21s and got injured, whether he can come back and and contribute in that as well. Um, But Milan, you know, I think what Alvaro was saying about Atletico and having principles um, relates to Milan as well. You know, this is a very settled side that knows uh, what what it's about. Um, All the players that they have, have bought have been bought with this system and this coach in mind. And uh, yeah, they've been they've been playing really really well. And I think after beating Inter in the Derby, to then go to Napoli and beat um, uh, beat another rival for the for the title, even though yeah, Milan's objective this season is to just simply get back into the Champions League for the first time in in six years, it's very encouraging.
3: Mm-hmm. You can get a slightly shorter version of that answer in your in your long read about Milan on the Athletic. <laughs> okay. It's true. Yeah, which is excellent. You talked to all the big names.
5: Yeah, speak to Ivan Gazidis um, and Paolo Maldini. Um, but it was really interesting to talk to. I mean, we talked about Luis Campos earlier, talked to someone who Milan have appointed who worked under him at Monaco, which is uh, Geoffrey Moncada, who's the chief scout there. Frenchman, he says, you know, famous, he joked to me that he's uh, he's a Monaco fan, the only one. Huh. Um, and uh, and yes, the, has been doing a sterling job as has the kind of other people involved in their recruitment and
3: uh, analytics department. Mm, Monaco fan banter <laughs> is my favourite kind of Euro football banter. <laughs> now, uh, that's one of the Europa League games coming up on Thursday. It's a delicate one because there's only one point between Lille and Milan in Group H, with Sparta-Prague hovering behind the Rossoneri. Uh, but let's get back now to the Champions League and Wednesday's
0: action. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
2: You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power.
3: Wednesday, Group A will be in play with Bayern Munich looking for their 15th straight Champions League win. Put their record in some perspective here. The previous best in terms of consecutive victories in this competition was 11 in a row, which they had set and also Real Madrid uh, earlier on in the uh, teens, 2000 and teens. But now they're looking for win number 15 in a row. They're hosting Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, which uh, you know, looks prospectively a, a good fixture for them, given that they beat the Austrians 6-2 away in Salzburg in the previous round. Alvaro?
1: No, I just wanted to say something about the records, um, because I think that they are happening at an incredible speed over the last 10 years in every competition. In Premier League, for example, this weekend, Liverpool got uh, its 64th straight game with no losing at Anfield in the league. A year ago, uh, they got uh, 18 wins in a row. Manchester City got that two years ago. In La Liga, uh, Barcelona under Guardiola uh, set... um a record of straight wins in 2010. A year later, Jose Mourinho got 100 points in La Liga with Real Madrid. So this is a trend that is happening in every league, I believe, and in every competition, even in the Champions League too, in terms of records of goal. Cristiano Ronaldo scored 17 in the Champions League not long ago, I believe. So the polarisation of football is massive. And in the last 10 years, uh, it has become so, so obvious that it cannot be overlooked.
3: So you think it's because of the concentration of riches at fewer and fewer clubs?
1: Absolutely. And uh, I think that in this decade we have only had champions uh, in the Champions League from five different countries. Uh, Not from France, just from Germany, (laughs) from Italy, from Spain, from England and from Portugal, Jose Mourinho's Porto. But in the 20 years before, from 1980 to 2000... Teams from more countries were winning the Champions League. I, even I remember Steaua Bucharest or Olympic Marseille winning it. So uh, I think that instead of becoming more democratic, football, uh, as soon as the uh, iron curtain fell in 1989, uh, you could have thought that mm, you know teams from the east uh, would become stronger, uh, as strong as the teams from the west of Europe. Hasn't been like that. The power has shifted from uh, 1992 mm, onwards to the to Western Europe. And uh, the, the gulf in difference and in results is massive between the East of Europe and the West of Europe. Now,
3: in Group B, things are getting mighty interesting in the Champions League, where for all their money and concentrations of riches, there are two big, big European sides, Inter and Real Madrid, who are currently set to miss out on the last 16, Alvaro. Put that in your theory and smoke it. This was the sound of Real Madrid coming back from the dead in the last clash between them and
1: Inter. And
3: they meet again this week at San Siro. And as I mentioned, they're both currently not in the qualifying positions. Shakhtar are in second place. Borussia Gladbach, the surprise leaders in this group. All right, so this looks absolutely crucial, the game at San Siro. And also potentially pretty crucial is the fact that Inter, as they go up against the Meringues again, have Lukaku back in the side. Ooh, James.
5: Yeah, Lukaku uh, was outstanding really after the hour mark uh, for Inter. And they needed him to be because they were playing against Torino. Relegation threatened Torino, whose manager was self-isolating with COVID-19. And the Torino side, that was also without... Andrea Belotti, who got injured in the warm up, um, and yet they found themselves two goals to the good um, at San Siro. Simone Zaza uh, getting uh, his name back among the headlines, what for the probably the first time since that penalty, in Euro 2016. Um, and uh, and Lukaku was brilliant. I mean, he scored twice, he assisted another one in a, in a, in a comeback as into 1 4 2 in the end. Um, you know, it was interesting that, you know, as Conte turned to his bench to try and get his team back into the game, uh, he has five substitutes at his disposal and he does not use any of them on Christian Eriksen um, as we uh, approach, what, the one-year anniversary of, of, of that signing and, and how it really hasn't worked out uh, for the Dane. Um, but... Look, I mean, Inter feel like they have been unlucky in the Champions League so far in terms of uh, how well they played against Gladbach, the chances that they created, and, and basically conceded two goals from two shots on target, one of which was a pen. Shakhtar hit the woodwork, dominated that, but again, didn't score. Uh, I think uh, that has been one of the stories of their season that they they haven't got the the wins that their their chances or uh, the, the kind of how well they played is kind of deserved. And uh, boy, I mean, the pressure on Conte would have been would have been huge had they not got uh, the win at the weekend. I don't think it would have been enough to go into this Real Madrid game saying it's make or break for him. Because I think, yeah, the reality is his contract is so huge that it's so expensive to sack him. He is practically untouchable um, um, at Inter. Um, but. Sergio Ramos missing, uh, mm. and we all know that yeah, in the seven of the last eight games in the Champions League in which he hasn't played for Real Madrid, what has happened? Real Madrid have lost.
3: So. Well, well, yeah, Alvaro. So the, the prospects, the, the situation for Real Madrid not looking too rosy, a draw at the weekend with Unai Emery's Villarreal. Ramos out, a lot of doubts over Benzema's participation and possibly Casemiro as well and Militao.
1: Yes, Benzema uh, did not train on Monday, uh, so he's unlikely to play against Inter. Uh, Jovic, uh, we have to remember that the second striker, he's got COVID-19, so the striker could be Mariano, a man that uh, Zinedine Zidane barely uses. But however, whenever he plays, he scores goals. Uh, he scored the goal against Villarreal this weekend, uh, Back in February, he scored the goal in El Clásico, but yes, I mean, Real Madrid has uh, plenty of absentees, especially in the central corridor, and I believe that Real Madrid uh, won the league thanks to Courtois, Ramos, Baran, um, Casemiro and Benzema. I mean, that central channel was key, and uh, it's kind of broken now uh, with so many injuries. Uh, but Real Madrid, uh, generally speaking, uh, they are facing this group um, with the lack of conviction that real madrid used to have in the european uh, in the european cup and i think that for example against inter they got one of those wins uh, because inter is suffering from the same uh, probably personality problems uh, that real madrid is suffering but uh, I think that uh, this is going to be really tricky uh, for Real Madrid. Uh, They rely a lot on a player like Eden Hazard, and Hazard is still not playing very well. Uh, Another important player like Fede Valverde is missing, by the way, and uh, he provides a a lot of physicality. And one thing that happens to Real Madrid as well, and that explains very well their state at the moment, is that they don't believe that they can win games. For example, against Villarreal, they scored the first goal, and it looked like... If they push Villarreal a little bit, they could score the second. And they didn't push that little little bit because they don't have the confidence to do it. They generate half chances, but they don't create real goal opportunities. And this is something that, uh, you know, as I said in a couple of podcasts ago, I believe that uh, maybe this level is enough to fight for the league. But in the Champions League, you need uh, more cutting edge. So... I think that Real Madrid really is in real trouble here because if they lose against Inter, uh, this is something like not a chess mate, but almost a chess mate for Real Madrid.
3: Mm, I would leave them at uh, bottom of the group, although it also depends a little bit on what Shakhtar do against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Rafa, a quick word on Gladbach and their remarkable performances so far in the Champions League. 6-0 their last uh,
6: result, which was against Shakhtar in Kiev. Yeah, and Gladbach playing first, um, it's, it's an early kickoff um, with the real opportunity to put pressure on um, Inter and, and, and Madrid with another win against Shakhtar. I think Shakhtar should have more players available. They, they were fairly depleted when they last came up against uh, Gladbach. But the point is that Gladbach themselves have been struggling a little bit. Um, certainly in the league, their form has been a little bit indifferent. They only managed a 1-1 draw against Augsburg after taking the lead. Uh, Augsburg had a player sent off uh, with about 30 minutes to go. And then they conceded an equaliser late on, which left them really frustrated. Sort of the the game that uh, they kind of threw away, um, having lots of chances. But a little bit like Leipzig, in the Champions League, they've been absolutely outstanding. Um, Still unbeaten. And I guess the way this group is shaping up, you probably have to beat Shakhtar if you want to go through. Uh, a win puts them in a great position, but they could still, depending on what happens in the other game, find themselves with more work to do ahead of those two games against uh, Madrid and, and Inter. So it is, it is a real opportunity, I think, for them to do something that very few people would have expected or even hoped for, uh, which is to qualify uh, in this group in first or second place.
3: Mm, remarkable stuff. Uh, The other game's Wednesday. You've got Group D and Group C. C has Olympiacos hosting Man City. Uh, The other game in that Group C is Marseille continuing their noble attempt to go a second straight Champions League campaign without scoring a goal or getting a single point. They host Porto. They had the weekend off, Jules. Was that a kind of special dispensation for being really bad in Europe?
4: Almost, yeah. Almost, James. No, they had their game postponed against Nice because uh, Nice uh, was a cluster for COVID-19. They had... 13 players out, I think. So similar to what we saw against Lens uh, three weeks before the international break, which, again, they had the weekend off before they played in Porto and we saw how good that was for them because they got absolutely <laughs> thrashed over there. Um, so I don't know if it would be the same. They were, they tried to get that game played against Lance this weekend on Sunday and having the Lance game postponed, the the win against Dijon, uh, Lance said no, the league I think would have agreed to it just for Marseille. But from the moment that Lance said, no way, why would we do that to you? Uh, say yes for that to you. It was not going to happen. So they're not happy. I don't know if maybe there would be a lack of rhythm kind of thing. I'm, I'm not really sure after the international break, but they have to react against Porto. I mean, one AVB can't be humiliated again against his former club. Mm. You know, this this is his team. He's a socio. He's a Porto socio. Same with his family. He can't be humiliated again at the velodrome this time, even if there's no fans. And and there there will be a point where they just a point. I mean, just to get away from you know the narrative of like you're one of the worst ever team in the Champions League.
3: Fair enough. In D, meanwhile, where it's Liverpool on nine points, Ajax and Atalanta on four, and Midtjylland on zero at the moment. Uh, Ajax will be hosting. fresh from a 5-0 win over Heracles, Ajax currently with an Eredivisie goal difference of plus 32. It's November. Uh, While Liverpool host Atalanta, who they beat 5-0 in Bergamo last time out with that Jota hat-trick and all that. Uh, How how concerned are the uh, Bergamaschi about this trip to Anfield, James? Uh, they are a
5: little bit concerned because I think uh, they look back on the Ajax game in particular uh, in Bergamo and I think they regret going 2-0 down in that and having to come back. The reality is that two of their last three games are away from home, but they're in a much better position than they were at this stage last year when they had nil point, um, after after three games and still managed to qualify. I think Liverpool have got in their heads a little bit. Um, because uh, after that game, Gasparini said, look, enough is enough. We have to change. We're conceding too many goals, not just in this game, but in the league as well. And you could see even against a newly promoted side, Spezia at the weekend, they played with the handbrake on a little bit. Um, Yeah, they weren't committing players forward as they usually do. They weren't pressing as high as they usually do. I think part of that is because of the international break. Rafa alluded to, to it earlier and how it's conditioned some of the performances club sides at the weekend. I mean, Gasparini was talking about how a lot of Atlanta's best players are South American. They're the Colombians. Um, you know, you look at that Colombia side that got hammered in Ecuador. 6-0, was it? 6 You're playing one, at altitude. I think, yeah. um, I think Papu went to play for Argentina. They played in uh, Peru. I was unaware that a flight from Buenos Aires to Lima is seven hours. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, so so uh, taking all that into account, I mean, the owner of Atlanta was saying the players yeah you know, turned up on Friday because because we've got three games in this this international break. They're coming back later than they usually do. They're they're knackered, um, and um, and that was one of the reasons behind the nil nil. Yeah, they still created a lot of chances against Spezia, but yeah, I, I suppose. They, yeah, they might look at this as the same way that they did Man City last year when, remember, City absolutely bashed them at the Etihad and then they did slightly better at San Siro and they got confidence from that for the final two games. So, mm. so we'll see. But I think ultimately it'll come down to that game between them and Ajax in Amsterdam.
3: Huge. All right. Still to come in today's European-flavoured Totally Football show, we'll be getting one or two other bits of news, including the latest on Alan Pardew's career. That's up next...
2: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Ollie Kaye, and the very best football writers around.
3: Alan Pardew, much loved former West Ham, Crystal Palace, Newcastle boss, and of course, Din Harg, Can't forget Din Harg in that list. No, of course. Has taken on another continental football role. There may not be room for him in the English game, but the continentals still love
4: him. Where's he gone, Jules? To Ceske Sofia in uh, Bulgaria, mm-hmm. as a sporting director, not as a manager. So either he's eyeing up the job, and as a sporting director, you come in, you sack the manager, and then you say, you know what, I'm going to take over for a few games, and then you. Tools. Or or he wants, or he just wants to uh, have a go at, as a, a sporting director job to see if he's any better, which can't be too In hard, a market he a knows
5: manager. so well, as yeah, you know, like Bulgaria. You know, yeah, that's, uh, and yeah. the
4: language is obviously bilingual because, you know, he, he's, <laughs> uh, he, no, I don't know. But I don't know. It would never stop surprising us. This is a good squad, though. If you remember uh, Jérôme Sinclair, the former, he was one of Liverpool's uh, very promising talent in the academy. Uh, plays there now. You know Sankare, the former PhD player, plays there But where well. did I mean, Sinclair come older.
5: from, Jules? He came from Watford, correct? Yeah, and he was and really Alan Pardieu they- is taking the job of the guy who's just gone to Watford. As sporting director. Oh
3: really? <laughs> yeah. really?
5: So you know, it's uh, you know, ultimately, I'm sure he got a good recommendation when he said, uh, "I've got this guy, Jerome Sinclair." I mean, maybe I think it's Cristiano Gialletto, who used to be at uh, Udinese for a, for a, a long time. You know, maybe he was already uh, eyeing up Ch- Jerome Sinclair anyway, and that's just happened
3: anyway. Wow, that's some top level diatriba from James Honcaster. Yes, Sophia, as you know, know our third right now in the Bulgarian A-League. Uh, <laughs> Ludogorets leading. The people uh, of the forest. Yeah, <laughs> that's them. Yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie, Clark's, Ronnie Clark's got a question for Jules. Says Ronnie, uh, what is wrong with Ben Arthur? Watched him play against Rennes. Scoring for Bordeaux, is he disrupted in the dressing room or just lazy, only shows up once in 10 games? Yeah, this was a 1-0 win for Bordeaux, and he scored the only goal. Jules, what, what's goal. your take on Ben Arthur?
4: I mean, I don't know how much uh, Ronnie has seen him this season, but he's been Bordeaux's best player. I, I mean, he can't last 90 minutes because he obviously hasn't played for a long time. When he was at Valladolid last season, didn't count because he hardly played in that second half of the season. But So I think he still needs to get a bit fitter, which considering his age, his lifestyle, considering this is Atem Benafa, we're talking, I'm not sure how fit he will get, but certainly when he has the ball in his feet, where fitness doesn't really count, he's still incredible. And, and Bordeaux are not doing that well, but they certainly have him and, and Koscielny at the back to just hold the fort and, and almost hope for the best because the rest is not very good, but he has got a very good goal. Uh, As Horny was saying, he had a really good performance the weekend before with with Bordeaux. It's just that he tries to make things happen by himself pretty much in that team at the moment, collectively. And Josh Maja, the former Sunderland striker, is still there, but there's, there's not much of a collective spirit yet. And, I mean, Atem has never done too much into collective anyway. You know, he takes the ball, then he dribbles past fast people and then five people and then scores or tries to score. So we'll see. But it's just good to have him back. You know, at 33, it's probably the last big challenge in his career. And, and uh, yeah, we we'll see what happens.
3: Mm, that defeat by Bordeaux means that Rennes have now lost five of their last six in all competitions, which is bad, but not as bad Saint-Étienne. angels
4: Yeah, terrible run of form. Seven league defeats in a row, which equals their, uh, their records. Uh, and Claude Puel in all sorts of trouble. And it's not just Wesley Fofana leaving quite late to go to Leicester, as we mentioned before uh, many times. Uh, just there's clearly something not working. I don't know if he trusts too many youngsters, maybe. They have a very good academy, but this is quite dangerous, especially when you're struggling for confidence and for, for rhythm, for results. But there's something clearly wrong there. They started the season quite well. I don't know, don't know how it turned so quickly, so badly.
3: Well, wow. Loads of other stories out there across the continent. Not sure we've got time for too many more, but any other things that anybody wants to mention? Prandelli's return at Fiorentina. Rafa, anything from you? Uh, Alvaro, your thoughts on the 6-0 win over Germany by Spain? <laughs> did,
1: did, did Spain win
6: 6-0 against Germany?
1: Yeah, the question is, when, it, when is the second set?
6: Yeah, I think we wow. should mention it because obviously there's been a huge fallout from this. On the 4th of December, Oliver Bierhoff, who's in charge of the uh, national team at the uh, executive level, has to present a analysis, a report into the last two years of this um, supposed um, progression that Germany have um, been undergoing since the World Cup. And at that point, the uh, German FA will decide whether to stick with Leuph or maybe pull the plug. I think it's more likely that he will be able to get one more chance at redemption, but the pressure is building um, for people to to react and for maybe the avoidance of what could be an even bigger disaster than the World Cup, because if Germany play anywhere is bad and is disjointed and tactically all over the place as they were against Spain, which, you know, was a game that Spain could have easily won by double figures, and I'm really not exaggerating here. Um, France and Portugal could, could knock Germany out quite easily. So it's it's a really big decision to make, and it'd be very, very interesting to see what, what happens at that next meeting in December.
3: George, you were complaining earlier about James Horncastle sending you constant uh, texts uh, through Paris Saint-Germain's game, but I was in Florida and my, my WhatsApp was just buzzing right throughout World's Strongest Man with you trolling Rafa about about the Spain game.
1: <laughs> well, I, I uncorked that bottle, but I only sent one text. Right, I just no, told everyone, everyone to pay attention to that game, no more than that. Yeah.
3: Well, it was extraordinary, the kind of thing... I mean, it's a testament to the regard that Germany held in, that everyone was so gobsmacked to see them lose like that. The biggest defeat since Sven's 5-1 in Munich, eh?
6: Yeah.
5: Mm. All right. Could always get Sven in,
3: yeah. you know, if,
5: if you decide against Jogi. Right. Sven will take it.
3: Well, it is Spain who goes through to the, the semifinals and final that kind of last four of the Nations League, which curiously will be in October 2021. From the 6th to the 10th, that'll be over an international break, essentially. And the four teams involved will be put into smaller World Cup qualifying groups to allow them the weekend off to do that. That's France, Italy, Spain and Belgium.
4: Who's excited? Yeah, and it's it's in Italy, so we can all go with James and, you know, James can pay us all those lunches and dinners that he owes us if we can travel back, uh, you know, at that time, but certainly for France, it's, um, it's good because they missed out on the Nations League qualifiers the, the year before against Germany and, and the Netherlands. The Netherlands went through, but this time they were very good in Portugal. The game, they had to win really the final of that group, which they did with a very impressive performance collectively overall. And I think they you could see what Deschamps is trying to do. You could see the improvement. You could see the new players coming through. So it's all good at the moment
3: crazy that this is the first tournament held in italy since 1990 isn't that amazing first international tournament
5: first senior international
1: tournament okay first senior international tournament yeah yeah. Yeah, and spain hasn't hosted one since 1982 either that's even crazy they they try it's even it's even farther back they tried to i don't know if this was a real attempt or not but i think they tried to make like a joint candidacy with portugal uh, for a tournament, I don't remember which one and that didn't work uh, but yes, that's a long time ago but when it comes to the Spanish national team I have to say that uh, on was it Monday evening uh, the day before the game against Germany, I listened to many radio shows sports shows and in Spain there was this uh, consensus among journalists and reporters and uh, opinion makers that uh, the Spanish national team wasn't uh, good enough this time and you should have listen to those shows 24 hours later. So it was like passing from the from the night to day, from the darkness to the light. And uh, yeah, I, to be honest, I think that Luis Enrique is doing a very good job. Uh, I believe that after he has tested around 40 players, it's time for him to uh, try to find his lineup in March before the Euro starts in, in June.
3: All righty. Well, that brings us to the end of today's European Totally Football Show. Many thanks to you all for being part of it. James, Rafa and Jules, you'll be involved in the Goal Show on Tuesday and Wednesday on BT. Uh, the ideal way to stay across all of the Champions League action. Uh, and I'll be tuning in for that. I, I'm going to be sat at home quarantining, so i am going to be enjoying that one with my, my feed up. Have a great show and we'll catch up with you again next week.
2: Listener from all of us here for now,
3: it's goodbye.
2: You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.